the above average podcast the only refuge for the slightly above average i am back i am back from a long covid related hiatus that that really Uh, really sucked um but i'm alive now i'm alive it took three years to get me and it finally got me boy did it get me but uh, I'm alive with only a bit of a little bit of lingering long COVID. Back from the dead. Long COVID uh, uh, symptoms. So I'm back from the dead. You ever have COVID yet? I have not. Damn. How'd you manage that? Uh, I don't know. Do you just not take the subway? Not when I don't have to, but also, yeah, I don't okay. know. A lot of people who are like super jacked, I mean, vaxxed up, they'll get it. And other people who don't aren't vaxxed also get it. So. Yeah, I'd be way more worried of of fucking dying if I didn't, you know, have all my vaccines. But uh, because, yeah, it it was it was rough. Like my body hurt like a motherfucker, but I never at any point thought I was going to die. Did you lose your taste? So that's nice. Uh, No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I I kept like going to my cupboard and like, you know, eating garlic uh, just to check. But uh, (laughs) yeah. But so I, I got it from going to see fucking Avatar 2. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it, it was not worth getting COVID. Serves you right. Yeah, I, I definitely... No one has deserved COVID more than me because I chose to give James Cameron money and this is my punishment for it. I, I got it from seeing Avatar 2. I didn't even stick around for the whole thing. It's too long for you? Yeah, it was it was too long and not a lot happened and it you know, it it's like the original movie. Like it's not actually that interesting, but it's kind of cool looking. It definitely maybe I'm just I it may be that I've just lost all my patience from COVID, like COVID just wrecked my attention span, but I I just can't sit through a 3-hour shitty movie. Like the original Avatar was not that long. It was not a three-hour movie. This was like way over three hours. This was like what three fifteen? That's too much. I I can't I can't do it anymore. Especially if it's boring and shitty. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Yeah. And also, this was like Tarzan, and the other one was Pocahontas. So <laughs> uh, it just it's not it's not fun. I don't know. It's it's just it it didn't it didn't work. It was not worth the COVID. It was not worth the money. I I really should have stayed home. <laughs> it would have saved me a lot of grief. Having said that, uh, it is nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture because no fucking movies came out last year. You know, like I I honestly think James Cameron waited until the COVID dearth of movies because like. The shortage of movies didn't come the year COVID came out. It's coming now, like, two years later when all the production is behind. So, like, you know, there's no backlog of movies. Like, no one was making movies one or two years ago because of, you know, COVID restrictions. (laughs) So, James Cameron, it's the only thing you can watch. Give me money. I'm making five more avatars. Oh, Christ. Oh, and he's going to make them. The fucking madman. I I don't know. The next one, he's just going to be like, you can smell the blue. You can smell it. I don't think a lot of good movies came out in 2022. You know, there are some very good movies. Like, Everything Everywhere All at Once was a fantastic original script. Well-deserved. Needs to win Best Picture. All Quiet on the Western Front. Awesome World War One movie. 
I have my own criticisms of it, which I'll save. Also nominated for Best Picture. Top Gun. No one likes to make fun of the original Top Gun more than me, but I couldn't help but love it, and that's really saying something. Triangle of Sadness, I think, is thinks it's a much smarter movie than it actually is. Now, what's your what's your favorite movie of 2022? I did like Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, everything all at once was good. I don't really really remember a lot of the movies last year because there weren't any. <laughs> like. Seriously, like it was like that plus Elvis and Banshees of Inisher and that's about it. Oh yeah, Banshees. Of yeah, yeah. It put it and it's like in Bruges, but again, right? Yeah, same same uh, actor, just different characters, but it was it's funny dark fun yeah I, someone told me it was really sad and i just thought I, I don't need that in my life right now it's sad maybe because your friend has a friend who's dealing with the same situation <laughs> whereas i'll watch it was like oh that i'm not affected by this at all i mean it's a great idea like how do you tell your friend that you don't want to be friends with them anymore I feel like you just don't. You just you just stop talking. <laughs> Isn't that how people run these days? Like, don't don't people just ghost their friends nowadays? You live in a small town. You have to see them. It's just like really awkward. Yeah, fair enough. Funny. Yeah, I'm I'm a fancy urbanite who's bad at texting. I think I can I, I can just very much envision not seeing people. I don't know. It's all like I figured like it's slightly difficult maintaining maintaining Friendship? friendships outside of work. Yep. You know, in your in your twenties and thirties. Like, you know, when you have your own family and, you know, you spend most of your time at your bullshit ass job. I just, I just figured like it's not that hard. Like the challenge is not having the the challenge is having friends. The challenge is not like how do I stop being friends with these people? It's just maintenance. Yeah, it's just yeah. The, you just stop doing the maintenance and then you don't have friends anymore. <laughs> I at least I think that's how it works. I I try and put in the time, but man, I gotta tell you, I. I don't really text anymore. Really? Uh, because now I need glasses. <laughs> yeah, I need glasses to look at my phone, and I hate it, so I just don't look at my phone. <laughs> uh, it's fucking bad. Like, I, I, I just, yeah, I don't read my texts anymore, so it- So don't get offended if you text him and he doesn't text back. Yeah, been a bit of a problem. I think like <laughs> I think I'm dealing with something. Like I, I'm afraid of getting old and shit. And like it's not like the thing that pisses me off the most about glasses is like I like wearing big stupid headphones, yeah. and I can't wear big stupid headphones if I have glasses. Yeah, it's like it's it's pretty upsetting there. Also, I I got my wife LASIK, and my wife's vision was really really bad. And you know, so I yeah, we we got her LASIK, and so now she sees better than me. And so the everything's flipped around. It's just like so. Is she gonna get you LASIK now? I, see, that's the thing. I'm in this I'm in this horrible limbo where like my vision isn't that bad, but it is yeah. like a pain in the ass. Like I have to focus my eyes to read things. Like my vision's not bad enough for LASIK yet. And also your vision has to stabilize before you get LASIK. Like you have to have the same like badness of vision for a couple years. Cause like you don't want your vision to like decay after you get the procedure. I think, yeah, they want your vision to stabilize. Then you get LASIK and then you have like good vision for like at least 10, at least, you know, that's the hope. So like I'm in I'm in this horrible limbo where I have to like wait with my bad vision to get fucking LASIK and I can't pay my way out of it. it sucks. 
So your bad vision is making you think you're old and not flying back to death? Yes, my, my bad vision is legitimately making <laughs> me antisocial. It's making me it's making me not use anything on my phone, like it respond to emails or Text use messages. Reddit or social media. It's just like I can use Instagram, which I think is making me dumber because, you know, it's just pictures. It's like, ooh, pretty picture. Instagram. <laughs> I'm a little bitter you about can tell. this. I'm not gonna lie. Like maybe a little too bitter, but like, yeah, this is I I am I'm not pleased about this aspect of getting old. And I know like anyone who's had glasses for any length of time has no sympathy for me, and rightly so. It it sucks when there's like a when there's a change. We get used to the life we have, and then when it's taken away, that's you know that's what's hard it's not like like wearing glasses isn't as hard if you're used to it. you know suddenly your ability to see shit is taken away yeah i don't know that's that that psychologically that's a tough but uh let's start out gofundme for lake Kalasic. I, I don't know <laughs> the lasik i can't have Yes, but yeah, no. If anyone wants to send me money for LASIK in five to ten years, uh, sure, yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> so uh, anyway, let's. Uh, speaking of uh, things which distract me from the drudgery of getting old in my life, let's let's just wing back, go back to talking about the Oscar. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna like run through it and complain about everything a little bit, but everything everywhere all at once deserves best picture because good original screenplays are hard to come by and they don't make them enough anymore like mid-budget funny original screenplay movies and we need to reward them. um so yeah everything everywhere all at once should be richly rewarded financially and with awards that should be a lock-in steven spielberg is really trying to win an oscar right now uh, with his movie the fablemans i'm always annoyed by movies that are about making movies because it's really circle jerky of Hollywood and Steven Spielberg I don't I don't give a shit that like what inspired you to make movies Same. I just I don't care no bad stuff oh bitch 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 this he's only doing like if he had won the Oscar for West Side Story also undeserved he wouldn't be making this movie he just would all quiet on the western front shoe in for best foreign language film it always kind yeah. of ruins it when like a best foreign language film is also in best picture category because then you know it's just gonna fucking win but uh it's yeah that that's probably a shoe in so i actually went to the premiere uh, or a premiere not that important a premiere of all quiet on the western front and i saw it in theaters on the big screen and it was pretty spectacular but my gripe with the film that it tried to make itself too big by being because the book all quiet on the western front is supposed to be about you know your average soldier the horror they go through and the fact that the state doesn't care about and the title is a reference to because when the t the main character dies he dies off screen you don't see his death and you don't right. really know how he dies you can assume the dispatch um made the day he dies is all quiet on the western front meaning his his death was a non-event the state does not care that he died at all and it it's how like you know war in the state dehumanizes us but they they cut that part out of the movie and they made 
uh, a whole bit about Friedrich Ebert, I think his name is. I, I need to Google his name. Google him. I think it's Friedrich Ebert. Oh, Erzberger. Should I use Bing? Yeah, okay. So, sorry. They Daniel Bruhl is in the movie as, like, the German diplomat and minister of finance, Matthias Erzberger, who is, like, negotiating the armistice with the French government. And he, that, he is not a character in the book. And neither is, like, the French high command. Like, and neither is Paul von Hindenburg or whoever the German general is. Like, I think I think it was supposed to be anyway. It doesn't matter who he was supposed to be, but there's a whole bunch of like German generals and French generals and German politicians, and it's not supposed to be about them. All right. I think I I think that was a mistake, and also I don't care who these people are. It did a really good job of showing you know the dehumanizing nature of industrial warfare in the opening scene, and because in the opening scene, uh, a soldier named Heinrich is shot, and you follow him being stripped of his clothes and dumped in a pit full of lime and his clothes being his bloodied and ripped clothes being shipped back to Germany on a truck washed by laundresses sewed back up and given to our main character as his new uniform and you know it's awesome there's hardly any words said through it the women in the textile mill that are fixing the uniforms their sewing machines sound like machine guns it's a wonderful sequence which you know really even though that's not in the book it really captures the spirit of the book. whereas the shit with Ferdinand Fosch and Erzberger doesn't follow the spirit of the book so a fine film like there's very few World War One movies that capture the horror of it all so well but yeah it was it was a uh, I, I did not agree with that decision and oh my god, I got so irrationally mad that the lo- someone in the LA Times was like, how did this obscure German epic, you know, kind of come into the Oscars? Literally the most popular book on, on the First World War. And they've made, Hollywood has made two remakes before and like, it's, the movie has been in everyone's Netflix recommend, so I, I just, I don't get Take that, that Oscars. Yeah, that, that's my complaint about All Quiet on the Western Front. Fuck you, Oscar. So Michelle Yeoh has been nominated for Best Act yeah, in Everything Everywhere All at Once. I hope she wins. But there was an article saying she's the first Asian person to be nominated for Best Actress. And I was like, surely that's not true. And it isn't. The first a You know Yul Brenner is? Sounds familiar. He's the... You ever watch um, The Ten Commandments? Yeah. Or like any any movie from the 60s with an asian villain that's him <laughs> yeah that that's him so like but he he's like um like a native siberian he's a buryat they're kind of like mongols but they live in they live in Russia, Friends. but uh, yeah, he was uh, he was the king of Siam and the king of and I, and he was King Ramses in the Ten Commandments. So he's he's the first actor to be nominated, or the first Asian to be nominated and won and win uh, an Academy Award for Best Actor. Nice. And uh, and he had to flee America and renounce his citizenship and become a Swiss citizen for tax reasons. And that's how he that, that's that's how he ended up. Yeah. But so for for best actress it's a little bit murky part of it depends on if you consider armenians to be asian yes technically they are but i feel like people generally don't 
consider Armenians to be Asian. Is that right? No one thinks of Kim Kardashian as Asian, right? At least I, at least I don't. Nope, they do not. Apparently Cher is, apparently Cher is Armenian. So if you count Armenians as, as being Asian, then Cher, for some reason, has an Oscar for fucking Moonstruck. And yeah, there's that. But, uh, but anyway, there, there's a more interesting side to this. So there's actually two women from like golden age Hollywood in the 30s, Meryl Oberon and Vivian Leigh. Both of them by astounding coincidence a quarter Indian and were born in British and but like kind of covered it up and made out made out like they were white for the sake of their uh, of their careers so you could I think you could legitimately argue that if they pretended to be white it doesn't count they were born in India so there there's that but I, I find it so funny that like the first the first like Asian woman to win an Oscar for Best Actress was Vivian Leigh, who played the woman in Gone with the Wind, like the fucking movie about, you know, oh, slavery is fine. And those damned Yankees were just trying to burn all our shit down. And, but she was she wasn't even like she was pretending to be fully white for that movie that was that was a funny one like they, hollywood wouldn't even let uh like her the actress who played her maid to be in the hotel where they were hosting where they were hosting the oscars at the time because you know it was a segregated hotel so i don't know yeah. do you, as a as an asian person tanim do you do you feel represented by vivian lay uh ooh, no i do not <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you're, you're revoking her Indian card. Ah, uh, yeah, send her back. Send her back. Right. <laughs> uh, it's just it's so ridiculous. But I feel like people don't know like how the extent to which like a lot of people like pretended to be white and still do because like because it's normal to do that like to advance your career to like whiteify yourself whitewash yeah but yeah you know everyone like everyone remembers rachel dolezal and like the crazy people who and uh sean king who like do the reverse and pretend to be black but no no one no one shits on sorry not shit on's not the right word but no no one because <laughs> like it's not i because you know with rachel dolezal she's like and you know sean sean king they're trying to be con artists and you know dupe people but you know when oscar isaac you know pretends not to be guatemalan he's doing that for legitimate reasons because it could hurt it could hurt his career if people knew he was spanish yeah. so which is you know ridiculous when you say it out loud but it's true and like lots of jewish people change their name to something that sounds like white in english like jonah hill's real name is like feldman or feldstein jonah hill what is your name feldstein yes there you go yeah his name is feldstein and you know mel brooks his name is melvin kaminsky so you know it like i i feel like it could where i'm going with this like i feel like giving disproportionate attention to you know the rachel dolezals of the world can kind of like undercut the fact that like there's lots of people who pretend to be white because you, you know it could give people the wrong idea that like oh people pretend to be black yeah. because it's more advantageous to be black but that's not the case at all like people generally speaking or at least actors anyway try to be more english and more white and that's why he's in a movie called you people and that's fucked up jonah hill should allow 
be allowed to be Feldstein. Yes, exactly. Oh, uh, Angelina Jolie is on the list of Asian American or Asian Oscar nominees because she has Cambodian citizenship for some reason. I think she did that because of her kid. I guess, but like, look, I'm I'm willing to grant that, like, I'm willing to grant Vivian Lay counts because she was born in India. But, like, Angelina Jolie does not fucking count. That does not count. Uh, that is ridiculous. You're revoking her citizenship? I mean, she still has American citizenship. And she was born in the U.S. Like, yeah, she was born in... Yeah, she's John Voight's kid. Like, she's Daughter. definitely not Cambodian. Cambodian. Or, okay, well, she is. But, like, she... <laughs> yes, Angelina Jolie is, is Cambodian. But, like, come on. Angelina Jolie is not Asian. She does not get to be on the list. That, that's too ridiculous. I mean, you know, part of the problem is, is, like, Asian is too broad of a category. Because, like, two-thirds of everyone is Asian. And, you know, it, it, it encompasses, like, everyone from, like, the Lebanese to the Chinese to, you know, Siberians and Armenians. So, and, you know, Indians and Bangladeshis and Thais and Indonesians. It's a huge cross-section of people, so it's, you know, it, it's not, it, it's in some ways not a very useful categorization, because, like, no one in Asia feels like a common Asian, at least from all the discourse I've read of the ownership of Pacific Islands, <laughs> that seems to be the case. <laughs> no, fuck you, those are my rocks. Coming from the non-Asian. Yes, exactly. This is, look, I'm, I'm being an outside observer, uh, but, you know, there's not a lot of, at least on the the internet there's there's not a lot of like unity in the struggle shall we say but it's it, it's a it's a contentious it's a contentious subject we'll we'll, ju- we'll just say meryl oberon is the first uh the first asian american or not sorry not asian american she was an american the first asian oscar nominee for best actress i should clarify yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll give it to her we'll give it to her sorry michelle yo you got duped again duped but uh it definitely definitely well deserved even if you're not the first asian to be nominated you still deserve it michelle yo just like brendan fraser deserves the oscar just to like just to like get him out of the black the hollywood blacklist like just to signal it's over they put on that fat suit on yeah it's very weird for someone in a fat suit to be in an oscar nominated movie isn't it because when people usually put on fat suits it's for bad movies <laughs> usually you're like tyler perry doing something awful doing something that'll make spike lee mad you know you'll get into a twitter argument and but when when brendan fraser does it he gets an oscar nomination Good yeah I, I think that's uh pretty well deserved i haven't even seen the movie because i don't want to because i don't like darren aronofsky man i don't my feelings <laughs> say we should give brendan fraser the oscar i i feel i i feel he deserves the oscar you know just just for his uh his time out in the cold i want to take a tangent and talk about alec baldwin for the the conspicuous absence from the bang bang indeed uh you think he did it that's what the kids are saying on the streets because they care about Alec Baldwin and know who he is. Yes, yeah, the kids, <laughs> the kids fucking love Alec Baldwin <laughs> with his hunt for the Red o- October and Dirty Ross. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Zoomers love Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and Tom Clancy books made into movies. That's that's what they're all about. So you know, for for those who don't know, uh, Alec Baldwin got charged with with manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, I suppose, in the shooting 
thinking of someone on his film set for Rust and claims that, you know, no one, when people gave him the gun, uh, they told him it wasn't loaded and, you know, he pulled the trigger and it shot his uh, cinematographer and assistant director. I think it was just one. I don't think he shot twice and missed. No, no, no. So it, it, uh, he only shot once, but like the bullet went through, uh, Sorry, I really should really should have their names here. <laughs> so he didn't actually shoot twice. So he fired the gun and and it hit and killed uh, Helena Hutchins. And the bullet went through her and wounded uh, director Joel Souza. So uh. it it uh, so it was, it was just the one shot and only one person died. But um, collateral they, damage. Uh, yeah, it was collateral damage. You you think you think he think he's going to jail? Guilty. Guilty. Send him. Guilt. Send him. <laughs> So there's basically, there's a large contingent of people say that Alec Baldwin deserves to go to prison and he's guilty of negligent manslaughter um, because you're always supposed to treat a gun as though it's loaded and you're never supposed to (laughs) aim a gun at people and... Anyway, Sounds like a Disney I'm making fun of them, but it, it, it's a very repetitive sentiment, and a lot of it is because uh, you know Alec Baldwin's a liberal, and you know, he's he's anti-gun, and so people are kind of like wringing their hands that he accidentally shot someone, and you know he's actually the one who's a danger to the public. So as it turns out, while I agree that you should treat a gun as though it's always loaded. Like that's that's good sense. But even if it's good sense, it's not the law. Alec Baldwin I Alec Baldwin is not going to jail for manslaughter, I'm calling it right now. Because for negligent manslaughter, you you basically have to be you basically have to be doing something that's so negligent that you have to know that it was dangerous. And and something like that would be like if you were waving a loaded gun around. Like that would be uh, an example of negligent manslaughter. For some reason, there's a lot of different crimes for killing people first and second degree murder are you killed someone and you meant to do it, it and and the difference between those two is like you know whether or not you did it during a crime or you did it like you know in, in the heat of passion or something like that and then like voluntary manslaughter is like you know maybe you got into a fight with someone and maybe didn't initially intend to kill them but you did like you did end up killing them and that that's a lesser charge than murder but then you know involuntary manslaughter usually means you have to be doing something that's like so criminally negligent like you know you're you're driving super fast like 150 kilometers an hour and you kill someone uh or or like uh maybe you like as a joke you like pretend to push your buddy over the cliff and you actually push them over the cliff that's involuntary manslaughter. even though it would have been good sense and good safety procedure for alec baldwin to check the gun as far as i can tell alec baldwin was under no legal obligation to actually check the gun and because on sets you know actors aren't aren't responsible for the gun in in the sense that they they don't they don't know that they're they're not supposed to be the experts on gun safety obviously there's supposed to be training involved and that sort of thing but they're not supposed to know they're not supposed to be the ones who check the gun uh to make sure it isn't loaded because that's actually something that's a little tricky to do because you know you'll have dummy rounds in the revolver and someone who's not an expert on firearms the difference is quite subtle. Like there, you know, there's little markings that tell you 
this is a dummy round as opposed to a live and that's not alec baldwin's job to note like he is well within his right to trust that the armor has done his job and in that sense i don't think he could possibly be found criminally negligent you could totally argue that he should have checked the gun himself like that's legitimate but i i don't think he can be held criminally liable because like just as he's not an expert on guns like if you're working with wires like if you're doing a wire scene it's not you're not the expert it's not on you to check your wires to see if they're safe get your wires crossed exactly get your wires crossed or like you know he's not going to check his own parachute like he's abdicated that responsibility to an expert which is safer theoretically yeah not in this case and and there's no precedent for it brandon lee was the last was the last person to my knowledge who was like killed in a very similar way in in that you know is a a revolver went off shot into him and he died but the man who fired the gun at him was not charged with anything nor should he be because it was not on him to you know check the barrel of the gun for obstructions that would be propelled by the blank round that's not that that's not his he he doesn't know that the gun is safe so i think the prosec new mexico is trying to you know lay on the charges thick to kind of scare him but i don't think Do they it. have any realistic hope of getting a conviction on manslaughter though certainly hutchins's family could sue the shit out of him because he hired the armor uh, you ever you ever shoot guns on on your movie sets tanum fake ones that say bang when you shoot them Oh, you actually have? Like the clown ones, yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, the ones that the little scroll comes out and... <laughs> yeah, that says bang. Y- you've shot one of those on set? Yeah. Oh, okay. But nothing with blanks, right? No. Oh, okay. I, I kind of I kind of want one of those ridiculous Looney Tunes guns. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. Yeah. They look real. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, Alec, Bald- Alec Baldwin can't be expected to know what it looks like. At least not legally. Brandon, you ever you, you ever hear the Brandon Lee story? Yeah. Of like how he was killed on the set of The Crow? Yeah. So like what happened there, like, because Alec Baldwin's thing was fucking stupid. Like someone was playing around with live rounds uh, in the gun and just didn't take them out. And that's why he accidentally shot Helena Hutchinson. Brandon Lee, apparently someone was firing, uh, someone was firing live rounds in the gun or it, it was firing um fuck it i'm just gonna (laughs) okay so here's what happened with brandon lee it's much crazier so they they were using there's a difference between blanks and dummy rounds so a blank is like a it's like the the cartridge with no bullet but it has uh, gunpowder. Yeah. So, like when you uh, when you shoot it, like there's an explosion and it looks like you're firing the gun, but nothing comes out. So there's sound and there's flash, but nothing happens. And then there's dummy rounds. Dummy rounds are like they look like proper rounds, like they have bullets in them like and so they're they're supposed to look real when you load the gun or when you like look down the side like when you look into the chambers of the revolver you don't just see blanks you see bullets and so what happened there is the dummy rounds in the gun on the set of the crow improperly made and crew didn't remove the primer from the cartridges which is you know what uh sets off the the powder and so apparently it like had enough energy to like move the bullet of the dummy round into the barrel of the gun but not 
enough energy to like have it go through and so what happened was is that when they were filming the scene they were play like they do the thing where when you're loading the gun in the movie you use dummy rounds but for the actual shooting they use blanks and so when they loaded it up with blanks the gunpowder propelled the the bullet from the dummy round out of the gun barrel you basically like a real gun works and it killed brandon lee so it it was that it was a very unfortunate series of mistakes that led to that led to this happening but it it, a lot less stupid than what happened with alec baldwin where someone just forgot there were fucking live rounds in the gun but uh yeah i'm i'm surprised it doesn't uh, i'm surprised it happens so little but uh yeah brandon lee uh is Alec Baldwin? Is Alec Baldwin? That is, uh, that is, that is the conspiracy. Anyway, so like, I think they could probably charge the armor some kind of negligence, but I, I don't know about, I, I don't know about Alec Baldwin. Like, he could be sued as a producer, but I, I don't think it's, it's gonna. Work. But uh, you know, the shame of it all is we're never gonna see that fucking move. Oh well. I've always wanted to see Alec Baldwin in a, in a western. Not really. <laughs> Yeah, it's a yeah, it was a, it was unfortunate, but uh, much as Alec Baldwin's a blowhard and kind of an ass, like I, I don't. If, if someone hands you a gun and says it's not loaded, and they're the gun expert, I, I think most people would believe them. But yeah, it, it's 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 an unfortunate situation. Indeed. What else? Um, oh, um, this is not really. This doesn't really have anything to do with anything. But remember when before Shia LaBeouf, um, you you know, went away. Before Shia LaBeouf went to a nice farm upstate, there there were a lot of movies of Shia LaBeouf fucking. I've seen too many of them at this point. You're a fan of it, aren't you? Um, but I want to talk about Lars von Trier. <laughs> Did you ever see Nymphomaniac? Yes, I did. And so you saw Shia LaBeouf fucking. Unfortunately. Fortunately for all. I I I realized I've like a profound hatred of that movie. Mostly because I don't like Lars von Trier. You don't like a lot of people. No, I know. You're right. I well, I don't really I like a lot of people. I just don't talk about <laughs> them on the show. <laughs> Maybe I should. I love you, Willem Dafoe. So Lars von Trier, the creator of the movie, he's trying to be very edgy and claim to do what other people have tried to do, which is like, which is to uh, remove the stigma around sex in movies, and you know, be like, no, no, this is it's not pornography, it's art, and you know, sex is a part of life. Therefore, uh, I should have sex in the movie, and it's fine. So the reason it's a piece of shit is because they used body doubles. And the re- what that means is that he's still differentiating between people who have sex on camera and people who don't. And it's kind of funny how how fine the line is. Like, you know, most actors are like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll be naked on film and I'll like simulate sex on screen, but I won't actually have penetrative sex on screen it's the distinction seems a little arbitrary to me but because you know i I don't i understand not wanting to do either but i don't understand like being cool with like doing everything except penetrative sex on screen like it uh but people actually have sex in the movie Nymphomaniac. And that was like how it got its marketing buzz. Like, oh, people are actually fuck. Which, again, that's also a weird thing to happen these days. 
given pornography has existed for a long time. The actors in the movie don't have sex. They have fucking body doubles who have the sex for them. And then they just cut to their faces in 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 like a different shot. And so that creates this distinction between like, oh no, real actors don't have sex on screen. And but you know, you, the porn star body doubles, you have sex on screen because you're tainted or lesser than the actors who can't actually do that on screen. Which like it, it's like it's pretending to be like like breaking this taboo but it isn't like it's still very much it, it's still very much like viewing people who have sex actual sex on film as lesser and you know beneath and the act being beneath actors so it's, so it's fucking bullshit the old fake. yes exactly yeah exactly they, they fucking deep faked us which like all this is to say it would not be a good movie otherwise i guess it would have some kind of integrity or something but it doesn't even have that it, it has no artistic integrity and i i really just think like lars von trier is just a pervert who likes to see women having a bad time like that's uh that's his thing that's that's what he likes to do he likes he likes to see women suffer it's like it's like his favorite thing it's very uh it, it, it's a little disturbing but like he also just is like let, let me just let me, let me just make like the most depressing movie possible and that's art i, I, don't, I don't know it's just, you should write, should write him a letter uh, yeah yeah i guess so partially because you know he, he makes he makes the danes look bad and uh you wish you were in a movie no not at all it's no like no one's having a good time in that movie not fun it, it just like it triggered a pet peeve of mine people uh people like to use sex or taboo things in movies to you know pretend like they're edgy but they're not actually edgy at all they're just being uncreatively salacious Got it. kind of like so the the opposite to contrast that, Pinocchio. Pinocchio was like a weird and edgy film by uh, Del Guillermo del Toro. That, that was a very... He basically like was like, Pinocchio is like a Lovecraftian tortured soul who can't... Who's cursed with the inability to die. That was... That was edgy. I, I appreciated that. And also the fact that he just had fucking Kate Blanchett be the monkey. And like a monkey who doesn't really talk. Like just a monkey who goes like <laughs> and like gets beaten by Christoph Waltz. That's just spot, spot on. Yeah, monkey. exactly. But Kate Blanchett was great, but like it's just very funny that she uh she took the role. Yeah, I I've no segue into the <laughs> over covid all i did was read about basketball and watch basketball shows yeah. and and i i finally got around to watching the last ones and uh, exactly michael jordan's uh or i guess not michael jordan's documentary i i don't Chicago it's Bulls. most it's mostly about him though like it's about the other guys but it's mostly about michael jordan it revealed uh so it revealed two things to me one hd tv has gone too far what because okay so go back and watch it and look at everyone's eyes like everyone's fucked up eyes and uh like Isaiah Thomas has like this blue ring around his eye and Michael Jordan has cheese eyes. Cheese eyes? Like he's got cheese
cheese. He's got the cheese eyes. Oh, cheese eyes! Which, Sorry. He's got the cheese eyes, which uh, you know makes it. So everyone was like, "Oh my God, Michael Jordan has hepatitis, or Michael Jordan has um, jaundice, or something," because he he's got the cheese eyes. And then, but like, yeah, Isaiah Thomas and B.J. Armstrong, they all have like this blue ring around their eyes. I had to Google all this shit, like what was wrong with their fucking eyes. Like I thought, like, oh, do rich people have like like those implanted contact lenses that like gives them the blue ring around their eyes? Poor people don't. Like, do you have a blue ring around your eyes, Tanum? Uh, not that I know of. I also can't see my eyes. That's a fucking lie. Of course you can see your eyes. Anyway, so it turns out like people with dark eyes, like you don't notice it in people with blue eyes, but people with dark eyes can grow like a blue ring around their eyes when they get old but i never noticed it before because tv was not hd enough for me to notice that before the the blue ring around their eyes would just blend with the whites of their eyes but like now it's a thing i can see on tv (laughs) so yeah eight HD TV has like oh and Michael Jordan's like cheese eyes is just like melanin in his sclera it's like a thing that happens to people or that happens to some people as they get older like it's it's not a health issue yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cheese eyes from Cheetos but uh yeah no so like it, but it's making me think like all these people have fucking health issues <laughs> Because, like, I could see too much detail on their faces. So, yeah, HDTV has gone too far. You like that cheese eyes. Yeah, do we, though? Like, do do we need do we need it to go that far? Maybe you should be looking at the game instead of cheese eyes. No, no, I'm, I'm looking at the cheese eyes. That, that, that's, that's all I can focus on. <laughs> but, uh... Okay, but we could, we could talk about the stupid goddamn game. But, so, uh what's your what's your take on three pointers ruining basketball because Shaq and Charles Barkley seem to think they ruined basketball it hasn't ruined it just a different game now which is better more exciting but it's just different just gotta get used to it out with the old and with the wait game. But wait why is it more exciting well it brings a different dynamic it opens up games so that you actually have to play defense but Tanum there's no slam dunks there is in the skills comp no slam dunks Tanum I want my slam dunks oh but also like no one can play defense anymore because you, you you just get you just get fucking reffed out and you can't like like Isaiah Thomas's bad boys like where they just like fucking beat the shit out of you like you can't do that anymore. Nope. I feel like we we could bring that back though. Like we we could have a moderately full contact basketball, can't we? No, players get paid too much. Just... Come on, it's fine. Michael Jordan was fine. That was a different time. Yeah, but people people weren't contrary to popular belief. People were not tougher back then. They just let it slide more. Exactly, they just let it slide more. See, I don't know how we change the culture to like let it slide more. <laughs> like, you know, maybe we have like a formal rules change, but yeah. Anyway, so I'm I'm blaming uh, I'm blaming uh, the rise of three pointers uh, squarely on uh, Michael Jordan's teammate Steve Kerr 
who uh, in the 90s was the greatest three-point shooter of all time and in terms of percentage of shots made and went on to coach Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors, the fucking three-pointer kings. You know, Michael Jordan was right to punch Steve Kerr because he would go on to ruin basketball. (laughs) Uh, My favorite thing about Michael Jordan is like, so he's kind of a dick. Yes. He he's so competitive. He will take your money. Yes, he will take your money. And and bully you for it. Yes. I love how his main vice is his gambling problem. But like because he's so rich, it's barely even a gambling problem. It's like I don't have a gambling problem because I have too much money. <laughs> yes. Yes. But like I love how like like the compulsive gambling doesn't come from like I don't actually know where compulsive gambling comes from, but it's not from like, you know, the monkey brained desire uh to win money that we all have. Like he's just like way, way too competitive, like by his nature. Like his gambling is mostly just like him getting his fix on competition, like outside of basketball. So it it, it was it was very strange to see that side of him. He sounds like he's probably Yeah, just a little bit. Just like every time he's just like and that I took personally. And then fucking destroys them because, like, you know, the coach wouldn't go play golf with him or some shit. And then he just makes shit up. Like, oh, and then, and but, like, if he did go play golf with him and he won, then he'd, like, use that as an excuse to destroy him. If Michael Jordan went to therapy, he'd average, like, three points a game. But it, it it does make you think like at what is it worth it? Maybe, but I, I don't know. I think I think there's a case to be made that like it it can be like it can be too self destructive and like it can fuck with and it can fuck with the team's dynamic if you know everyone's on each other's nerves all the time. Yep. But I mean, like he would argue that like oh I won all these championships. But on the other hand, you know he's working with some pretty comp- like incredible athletes. Like I don't know that there's any reason to suspect that like they'd be worse if Michael Jordan wasn't kicking their asses all day. Eh, I don't know, could happen. But then like the funny part is is like Michael Jordan like wants to like bully everyone into being a better basketball player. But then he also doesn't want Isaiah Thomas on his on his team. But he's like, no, no. And him and all the other guys are like, no, we can't have Isaiah Thomas on our team. He's like, you know, we hate him, and there's going to be a fucked up dynamic, and that's why we can't play. Uh, that's why we can't play in the Olympics with Isaiah Thomas, even though like Isaiah Thomas beat Michael Jordan more than anyone else. MJ calls the shots. Yes. Apparently. Though, like, you know, I, given how many bridges Isaiah Thomas burned with, like, and all the rivalries he had with all the other guys, I can very much believe that, like, Magic Johnson was just like, no, don't get, get him the fuck out of here. I'm going to be point guard. Yeah. Yeah. It also made me realize, like, a lot of the guys in the 90s Chicago Bulls kind of came out of nowhere. Like, they weren't part of basketball dynasties. Like, it wasn't like... Like, you have a, you have a couple, like, like, John Paxson's dad was in the NBA, and... You know, Steve Kerr it just has comes from like a rich as fuck fan. Like Michael Jordan, he's middle class, but he kind of comes out of nowhere. Like doesn't come from like a family with connections in major league sports. And you know, Dennis Rodman gets kicked out of the house at 18 uh, from his dad, who has 47 kids and lives in the Philippines. And uh, you know, Scottie Pippen comes from a 
poor ass family of of like 12 or 14 in hamburg arkansas to you know make his way to basketball greatness but nowadays if you like look at all like if you look at all the number one players in the nba right now like good chunk of the american ones anyway like come from sports families or sports dynasties like they have some kind of connection like Steph Curry's obviously like the worst one because he's he's been like trained by NBA players since he was fucking nine. <laughs> so like obviously he has an advantage there. You know, no one else is gonna be in no one no one else like it's gonna be very hard for someone like of his height to like make their way in. Like obviously people who are like seven feet tall are gonna make their way into the NBA anyway, which I think it's like full like twenty percent of people over seven feet tall play or have played in the NBA. Like something ridiculous. But uh I don't know. Like do you think do you think there's been like a rise of, of sports being more dynastic instead of merit based? Like it's more about like, do you come from a sports family than are you are you actually good? Still think you have to be good. Yeah, which like I guess just because yeah, like they have family within the sports. Okay, yeah, like they have more access. Like, obviously, still think you have to be talented. Like you can't make it into the league unless you're talented. But, like, like you still have to work hard. But I just mean, like, there are people who probably could have been in the NBA, but, like, you know, because they didn't have dads in the fucking, in the NBA, or, like, like Reggie Miller's sisters are, like, extreme college ball players and know all the coaches and know all the talent scouts. You know, they, they never got in. Like, like they, they're talented, but they never make it into, like, the inner circle that allows them to play for the NBA. Mm, no. Still think it's... Alright, fine, fine, fine. You, like, that's your hot take. Again, I'm not at all suggesting that, like, they're not talented or they're not hardworking. It's just, like, I'm convinced that, like, like I, I don't know what the percentage is, but, like, you know, obviously everyone needs the skills to get in, but a huge chunk of whether or not you make it as an NBA player is luck. Take, for example, MJ and the 84 draft. So, like, so you know how, like, MJ was the third overall draft pick, right? He was behind yep. Hakeem Olajuwon and Sam Bowie. And Hakeem Olajuwon, like, did pretty well for himself. Definitely not, like, legendary to the same degree as Michael, but, like, like he has two championships. And But it, I think it's generally believed that his team, the Houston Rockets, was, like, pretty shit compared to, like, like compared to the 90s Chicago Bulls that had, like, Dennis Rodman and uh, Scottie Pippen and, you know, all the all the people who helped. Tony you know, Kukoc. Kukoc. Luke Longley. Oh my god. The fucking Oh man, I took poor fucking Tony Kukoc is always just like, man, I didn't know what was going on, but everyone was really pissed off at me for some reason. Uh like he's just uh the poor bastard. He didn't know he didn't know what was happening. The guy in the in the middle of everything. Exactly. But so yeah, Hakeem Olajuwon didn't have as good of a team. But then Sam Bowie um is widely considered to be like a huge bust. Like his career isn't like disastrous. Like he's definitely not the worst NBA player. And but like his his career wasn't as productive as it should have been because he had a lot of very serious injuries in his early years of playing that really impacted his career. Like he broke 
I think he broke his femur and his tibia. Like he had like three leg breaks that like, you know, meant he was never quite the same, but like, you know, kudos to him. He still like pulled himself up by his bootstraps and like, you know, put the work in to recover and like still have like a decently uh, respectable NBA career, but like, you know, never really never rose to the level of, you know, like Patrick Ewing or like Charles Barkley or all those guys, but like, you know, still a respectable like 10 average 10 points a game kind of thing like he's a pretty good basketball player but like you know he just had the bad luck of you know having a really fucking bad injury and that and that could just happen to anyone like it's not and especially basketball players because they're so fucking tall like you know their knees are just fucked and you you see it like everyone Everyone in the NBA, you know, some people like retire, like retire early, but like most people like injure out. Like, like Isaiah Thomas fucked his Achilles tendon. Uh, Sam Bowie broke his legs a bunch of times. Uh, Larry Bird broke his back. Like everyone like eventually gets an injury that forces them out of the game. It's just that like, you know, Sam Bowie had his not career ending injury, but like career limiting injury like very early in his playing career and so like never you know never got to the level of of the other ones and that's not that's not his fault like it's not like it's not like he could have worked harder or had a better athletic body it's just like should have taken milk. <laughs> yeah, some. I wonder if some tasteless milk executive was just like, "Yeah, we got to use this." <laughs> but you see what I what I'm getting at? Like, you know, he was a very promising prospect, and his career was like very much hobbled by accidents and injuries, and like, and that could happen to anyone. Like, that could have happened to MJ. Like when he uh, when he fucked his foot uh, in his first few seasons. He yeah. rose like feet. luck is so important to this. It's like. Like luck is almost, I would say the most important thing because you can be good. Like a lot of people are good, but you also have to be lucky to not, you know, have your legs fucking clown you at the last second and ruin your career. And, you know, you know, I think Sam Bowie is like, I always find sports movies where the guy loses to be the most meaningful and like the most inspiring because you have to like, you have to be able to live with yourself even if you lost. And like Michael's story isn't quite that. Like it's a little more like, you know, if I burn all these bridges, but also learn to play as a team member, then, you know, I can cement myself as like a dynastic great basketball player. Uh, you know Sam Bowie's story is about like you you have it all and then you lose it but you know you work your ass off and you're not as you were but you're still good making the best of a bad situation where other people might have given up and you know I I find that a lot more inspiring good on you good on you good on you good on you the whole thing made me realize it's very hard to evaluate who the greatest basketball player is because like you know with the with the rise of the threes like the sport changes quite a bit over time there's substantially more three-point shots now but the funny part is is players aren't actually better at three-pointers now. like the percentage of of three-point shots people make is not actually that much higher than it was in like the 90s but like people are making them way more like i guess because like if you if you miss if you miss a bunch of bunch of threes but you sink some like it pays off more than missing uh, sinking some and missing some twos all right okay let me, let me phrase that better i i realize you're making fun of but so 
like if, if you're shooting like if if you hit like 50 percent of two pointers and then you hit less of those in three pointers like or if you hit 50 or if you hit like 40 percent of three pointers even though you're hitting less of them you get more points so like long twos are basically never worth it like except in like very specific circumstances like in that case you might as well go for the three i'm i'm doing fucking desk sports licks and accounting by the way where i'm where i'm just like evaluating everything on a statistical level like shacks like i'm not i'm not alone on this in the sense that like you know shacks complaint about it is not that everyone's trying for threes but that no one is exploiting the offensive potential of the big man yeah exactly of the big i.e him because <laughs> like the three like the prevalence of threes creates a new threat so like people like like it forces you to create like a defensive perimeter around the three-point line you know it creates a lot of space under the net where you know Shaq likes to imagine that you know he would just charge in and clean up and yeah just destroy everyone with his uh you know go full diesel on us vin diesel exactly get that shit but yeah but yeah and you know with with sports going back to like sports being limited it, it was always very difficult to get into the nba and other leagues as well unless you went through american colleges you know that's always been kind of a barrier that exists like if you can't get into colleges you for the most part can't get into the nba like there there's exceptions for like you know euro ball players and that sort of thing that's like college has always been like you know the the class barrier to professional sports which you know you overcome with with uh you know being seven feet tall and just happen to get noticed by a talent scout in high school but yeah it doesn't happen to everyone at least i wouldn't think <laughs> I, I, I just I just feel like there's too many kids of former NBA players in the NBA. That's it. Uh, yeah. Too many of them. Too many of them. I want more it. like dudes who dudes like Allen Iverson who were like Yeah, just, just Randos. Randos, like or people who were like Dennis Rodman who were like, Oh, I, I was gonna I was I was headed for, you know, a life of crime and recklessness uh when I went to the NBA where I could be a basketball player and lead a life of crime and recklessness. Yeah. One of those things. I, I, I'm just mad at Steph Curry. <laughs> How dare you be the same height as me and be good at basketball just because your dad was in the NBA. Fuck you, Steph Curry. <laughs> COVID, I think COVID's made me more bitter, <laughs> but I think that's just because I was locked inside. Yeah, check us out everywhere, all at once. Hey! If you can, YouTube. Reference. <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, we're everywhere. Google us. We will be there <laughs> on your screen. All at once. All the time. All right. <laughs>